Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. Compassus, an integrated home care provider in 29 states, is expecting future growth in all its service lines. But the Medicare reimbursement reality for home health means providers have to be extremely careful about how they allocate resources. CEO David Grahams talked to me more about this this week. Thank you so much for joining us, David. Excited to be here, Liza. Let's start with some news that came out this week from your company. Compassus and Ascension, which is a nonprofit Catholic healthcare system, announced that they expanded their partnership to 17 counties in Middle Tennessee. Tell us more about the nature of this collaboration. Well, we first announced the opportunity to partner with Ascension at Home in October of 2023. And this partnership allows us to come to our corporate footprint and expand home health operations across eight Tennessee counties. So that makes a total of 17 counties across Middle and West Tennessee with last week's enough. Mm-hmm. You already had an existing partnership with Ascension, correct? We do. We partnered with Ascension at Home since 2020. And this partnership with Ascension St. Thomas is a result of the work we've done in other communities and bringing that capability to Middle and West Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Is that all the services that your company provides? We provide hospice services in the lower half of Central Tennessee, and we will stand up palliative care services, but we don't offer infusion services here in Middle Tennessee. Okay. That brings me to my next question. Compassus offers a really interesting array of home care services, home health, hospice, palliative care, and home infusion. Obviously, as you mentioned, not all of those are mentioned at every location, but what is the breakdown of these offerings and what area or areas of your business are growing the most at the moment? That's a great question. Yes, we have hospice, home health, palliative, and infusion. We're across 29 states with 250 points of care. Our roots are in hospice. We were founded here in Middle Tennessee in 2006, and our roots are in hospice and palliative care. But as we've grown, we have added uh, the other service lines and are excited about growth in each one of them. The growth over the last several years in home health has been quite significant, and we would expect double-digit growth in all of our lines of business for the foreseeable future. Wow. What made you expand beyond hospice? Well, we're committed to being an integrated home-based care provider. And so we want to work with people across advanced illness and complex care. We are about enabling the success of our health system partners. And our health system partners are looking for places to collaborate with folks such as ourselves to improve their ecosystem. And so it's important that we have multiple offerings in order to allow people to move home expeditiously and receive clinical excellence and great patient experience. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of regulatory and operational challenges facing those sectors. Just in the last few days, many hospice providers actually sent a letter to Congress saying that rural hospice providers have many unique challenges. They cited low reimbursement, closures, staffing shortages. Is this something that you're experiencing and how troublesome is it? Well, there is a lot of regulatory oversight of our sector and some of it is deserved. As you may know, we've partnered with other 
leading firms in this space to call for CMS to appropriately govern the sector. And so we're supportive of efforts to drive quality backdrop for patients and families across the country. We do not want bad actors in our space. In terms of the rural American situation, we are at risk across large parts of the country of becoming a desert, as people refer to it. And so we think integrated home-based care in these communities serves a strong purpose and doesn't rely on the same infrastructure that some of the institutional settings have. So we are supportive of the efforts to make sure it's a level playing field and people follow the rules. And we also are trying to implore our elected officials to provide a level of reimbursement that allows for caregiver talent acquisition and retention, and also innovation in a way that brings technology into the home. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit on maybe some of those efforts by your company? Well, we're committed to being an employer of choice. And so we've done quite a number of things across the last several years to advance this effort from benefits to training and development to enabling people to be more efficient in practice of their caregiving. We've also are committed to advancing things like predictive analytics and efforts along the fronts of generative AI. So predictive analytics, we're using uh, tools in several of our lines of business that allow us to make sure we have the right care at the right time and we empower our teammates to understand better who needs that care. For instance, in our hospice space, we're using a tool that is over 90% accurate in helping try to identify when people are reaching the end of life. And that allows our teams to work with the interdisciplinary team in any community to make sure that our caregivers are with those families as they move through the stages of advanced illness. How have your employees, what extent have they embraced this type of technology? You know, teammates have skepticism about technology at the outset. And the tool I just referenced was one of the areas where they had some skepticism. They are proud practitioners and have been, in most cases, around people with advanced illness for some period of time. They have readily embraced these tools and now find it to be helpful in confirming what they see in their face-to-face experience in most all cases. So you have to adopt a technology, you have to adopt process, you have to adopt innovation in a way that allows the caregiver and the family to have a better experience. And we're committed to doing that. Mm -hmm. And to what extent are you bringing some of these tools to your other service lines? Well, we've used some algorithms in our home health business, and we use also the algorithm to help with transition patients patients and families that should consider other forms of care, specifically hospice, where we're using those tools in both our palliative care business and our home health business to make sure that families have the right information to make the decision for themselves and their loved ones. Mm -hmm. As we have talked about earlier, there's just a lot of regulations hitting the offerings that you have with hospice, there's a special focus program, the 36-month rule now in effect. And of course, in the home health arena, you're dealing with major Medicare cut that appeared in the home health final rule, which also took effect this month. Regarding that home health final rule, how is your company handling or compensating for that behavioral adjustment? Well, 
we are proud of our position in the space. We, as a society, are under-resourcing our space, and it concerns me. We need integrated home-based care. We need ourselves to succeed. We need our peers and other leaders in the space to succeed. And we are under-resourcing this opportunity. And so it is not easy. It is not easy. We are trying to find ways to adopt processes and tools to allow us to be more efficient so that we have the right resources to attract and retain the caregivers. We are in Washington making that appeal. I was in Washington yesterday meeting with some elected officials about some legislation that we're hopeful to have passed that would set aside some of these cuts. But when you're looking at significant caregiver reimbursement increases, and you're looking at roughly flat reimbursement, and then the overhang of potentially future cut, it's a very challenging backdrop. What does that do for your future projections about growing or expanding your business? Well, we are aggressively expanding our footprint with other partnerships with other health systems. So we have, as we mentioned, had the partnership with Ascension for a number of years, and that partnership has resulted in increased access. It has resulted in advancements in our clinical outcomes, and it's resulted in reduced total cost of care. And so our dialogue with other health systems is such that Ascension as a reference account is affording us the opportunity to expand with other health systems that would like us to become their partner. So we are aggressively growing the business. We have opportunities in our current footprint and in some of these new footprints to do things in an expanded fashion with better stewardship of resources. And we're embracing that. But you have to have growth with discipline in order to make up for some of the pressure on specific unit economics. Mm -hmm. So expanding on that, what does that mean? What does discipline look like? Being mindful of your staffing numbers? Yeah, you have to be mindful of your staffing numbers. You also have to take care of patients as they are represented in the community. There is, and this is one of the nuances in the space presently, there is so much pressure within the system to help people to the next continuum of care out of the hospital into either skilled nursing or home directly or home with home health. We're having to be thoughtful about how we allocate that capacity. We need to do it in a way that represents the community at hand. And other people are taking the same effort. It is very hard to balance serving the needs of the community and accomplishing your stewardship objectives. Where do family caregivers fit in all this? And given the financial pressures, is there a bigger role for them now or in the future? Will there need to be? Yes, family caregivers are imperative to the process. It is when a family member is engaged or helping directly with a loved one's care, you get a differential level of financial and patient experience. And so we have to live into those models. There are people experimenting with reimbursement models for family caregivers. I think there's increasing acknowledgement of both the obligation and burden of family caregivers. We're looking at uh, continuing to work with our teammates. In many cases, our teammates are not only providing care for the patients we are entrusted with, but they're also looking after their family members. So we're trying very aggressively to find ways to advance 
the family as an interaction. As one case in point, we've just introduced a patient engagement and family engagement application in a limited part of our geography, and we're excited to see what that produces and then stand it up and take it nationally over the next 12 to 18 months. Wow. What would you say is the biggest threat currently to your operations? Is it the reimbursement issue? Is it the staffing shortage? Is it increased regulation? Well, the reimbursement and the staffing, in my opinion, go together. We live in a world of seemingly finite resources, and we as an industry have to do a better job of telling the holistic story in a way that creates resources for us to live into the right backdrop from a, a resources standpoint and the right place in the ecosystem from a value-based care perspective. So breaking that down, we take care of patients where they want to be seen in their home. They have higher levels of satisfaction. They have a better clinical outcome and it's reduced total cost. We've got to move the discussion out of a unit economics into the broader value we bring. And we're having some success. The folks in Washington are empathetic to that. And some of the things that we're suggesting to get the reimbursement overhang set aside have the opportunity to pay for themselves in other ways. We're talking with them about how to do that. On the caregiver side, we need more caregivers. We have got to find ways to bring people to the space and retain them and let them fulfill their passion for patient care. And so caregivers will be more readily attracted to the space if we have the right resources. From a regulatory standpoint, we have to be good stewards of both, for instance, Medicare Advantage resources and of the Medicare resources. And we need regulation in form and substance that allows people to have confidence that they are putting people into the home-based care environment in a thoughtful way with good caregivers that are playing by the rules and delivering a good outcome. Hmm. I want to just spend a little bit of time on one very interesting service line that you offer, which is skilled nursing facility at home, Sniff at Home. Tell us about how prominent that service line is. Is it growing and exactly how does it work? Yes, very exciting new product offering we brought forward in 2023. Sniff at Home. It's a post-acute clinical model that delivers skilled nursing facility level care where the patient lives. This model is for lower acuity patients, and we use remote patient monitoring and telehealth to complement the in-person visits. It's basically a care model that allows potentially up to 35% of the discharges that would otherwise go to skilled nursing to go directly home. We are aggressively talking with people that have risk populations about our capabilities. There's a lot of excitement in the marketplace. And as we continue to find people that embrace the model from a care management and a payment perspective, we expect it to grow rapidly. And about how many locations are you offering it? We have it in several locations right now. And funny, I was talking with the team. We have a pipeline Uh, additional payers and markets that we hope to take it to. It's not at scale yet, but it is hard not to embrace. People want to go home. They can go home with the right care model, and we can continue to expand that if we have the right set of resources to do so. And so it's all interrelated, but exciting prospects on the horizon. 
It reminds me of that choose home legislation that was really close to being passed a couple years ago. Will that give a boost to sniff at home? It would absolutely. And you know, it, it's our obligation. I was in DC in 2023 talking with a panel about this. You innovate in the private sector and then you make elected officials aware of uh, the opportunities of success. We need to bring new payment models. As people understand, social determinants of health really drive health outcomes in a major way. Our reimbursement system distinctly for home health or distinctly for hospice or distinctly for palliative care doesn't meet the opportunity. And so we're excited about Sniff at Home. We're excited about another product we've introduced called Advanced Care Management. These care models, one, the care model, and two, the resources to fund the care model, innovate in ways that address social determinants of health and are sustainable and will allow expansion for other patients and families. This is going to be my last question. Are these Medicare Advantage programs or are you also working with traditional Medicare on these? We are not doing them with traditional Medicare. They're Medicare Advantage programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the payers are increasingly recognizing the value we bring and they want to support that. And that is our charge. We have historically had suboptimal reimbursement from the Medicare Advantage. That is a thing that we're in the process of trying to address. The payers are leaning in. And then once we lean in to unit economics in those discussions, the payers quickly pivot to wanting to embrace new care models and value-based outcomes. And we're excited to do that and, and comfortable doing that. Exciting stuff. Thank you so much for talking to me today. David Graham, CEO of Compassus. Thank you, Liza. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.